The scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Well, good morning. I did not text D.L. nor Michael this morning to say, wear your blue and white plaid shirt. I didn't do it. But as I watched these men up here, I kind of felt like, oh, well, I belong today. I should be here. And I do feel called to be here and feel that what I have to share is important. Uh, so it is, it is a gift to continue this psalm series. And it has been said that the psalms is, is the songbook of God's people, a guide to shaping their prayer life. And last week, Todd preached on Psalm 32, and I encourage you to listen to that on uh, the power and joy of forgiveness. It's everywhere in our everyday life. It really is. Uh, so Michael, if you don't know this, Michael Van Patter has teamed up with various musicians in the church. And as we go through these different psalms, he appoints a psalm to a musician, and they write an original song that we've been singing every week. And I just... I love the creativity of that. I love the expression of our body in that way. And uh, it's truly powerful. And I think maybe a CD, not a CD, <laughs> but maybe a, a collection of these songs will be available to all of us. But it's an interesting thought because at the beginning of Psalm 62, right before actually the body of it, it, it talks, of, it says a Psalm of David to Jodathan and the musicians. And I'm like, well, who's Jodathan? And I did a little digging, and, and who this person was was really a, a worship leader, but someone that came alongside of David to compose, to process, to put music to truth. Interesting, because Mike, what Michael is doing with some of you is that very thing, coming together, collaborating with expressing these songs in community. Isn't that cool? I just thought that was the coolest thing. It's a wonderful picture. But Jedithan wrote a psalm or, or collaborated with David in Psalm 39 and 77. And his family was of the Levitical priesthood. And this is a lineage where they, I mean, you know this, they would serve the temple area. They would lead in song. And what is also interesting is in 1 Chronicles 16, 
Jodathan and his sons would be at the temple gates. So they acted almost as people that would welcome them into God's presence. Now, in my mind, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, and I'm just going to step away from the pulpit. But in my mind, it's just interesting. I wonder if they even uh, sung a little bit of the song at the temple gates as people would enter. I wonder if maybe they hummed. And, and, and so that image of who this person is and, and how they brought people into the presence of God is, is kind of hung with me in this study of Psalm 62. The theme truly is to trust God alone. And, and as we enter, and again, that theme comes up, as we enter into God's presence, we enter knowing that He alone is our rock. That He alone is our fortress. That He alone is our salvation. And it's almost like these, these, these people might be whispering that, humming that, singing that, as they walk into, as they cross the threshold and walk into the room of God's presence, which, by the way, because now we are the temple in Christ, now we walk into his presence everywhere we go. In every room, we cross the threshold. The problem is the doorway isn't wide enough for our ego. (laughs) The gate is not tall enough for our big head. Only he is our trust. So what must we do as we enter into the presence? We must set our ego at the door. We must lay down our lives in order that we can have a God alone life. That image is powerful to me. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but before trampoline parks was the, the big thing. It was these uh, inflatable castles inside. Bounce you. I don't know if you, you bounce you. Quaker Village, it was there a few years ago. And basically, it was all these inflatable, big obstacle courses and various things for kids to play in. What I remember about Bounce You is the kids would go in and they would enter a little area where there's a bunch of cubbies. They had to take off their shoes. Remember this, kids? Sorry. Uh, you, and, they would, and they would slip their shoes in, put their socks in, and they would run and they would bounce. But every once in a while, if you're a parent or an older sibling, you could go bounce as well. And so I just remember this one particular time I went and I came to this, this cubby, this area where you put all your stuff. Kids put their stuff in. They take off. This was 10 years, by, 10 years ago, by the way, uh, just to clarify for the kids. But it was just this moment where I had to take my wallet, take my phone, take my keys. And what was I going to do? I was going to just stick them in the cubby. So I, so I hid them in my shoes like some kid's going to take them. I put socks in there. And it was just this moment where it's like now I can go and jump and bounce. And my keys won't fly out of my pocket and hit, hit some little kid. But that image, again, of I've got to become less sophisticated to go in and jump with my children and family. This, uh, this idea of I just have to, I have to go and I have to face this person who worked for Bounce You who was stationed there to make sure I didn't carry anything into the bouncy house. And I think what this psalm is saying is as we look at our lives in the presence of God, that we are to lay down all of our sophistications, that we are to carry 
this idea that he alone is our trust. And I like the symbolism there of keys, of wallet, of phone, of shoes. Watts Van Patter had a wonderful illustration of this about uh, 15 minutes ago. Where we're standing up and he just opened that door. And he just walked in there carrying a piece of paper, no shoes on. Just kind of walked through in. Such a sermon preached in that. Of coming into the place of presence. Of entering in. Of releasing all of our sophistications. So a few things about Psalm 62 as we jump in. It would be really helpful if you had a pen in your hand. And if you had the psalm before you as I walk through this psalm. There's a word that truly guides this psalm in the Hebrew. It doesn't show up as clearly in the English. And the word is ak. And this word means only or alone. And this occurs six times in the psalm. So if you want to circle verses 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, and 9. This word shows up in the Hebrew in all of those verses. But what's interesting is it's talking about only God or God alone. But then in verses, um, I believe, 4 and 9, if you want to star 4 and 9, it actually reflects more of man alone, of living a man alone or a, a, a human mankind centered life outside of God. So this word really intensifies the word or phrase it is attached to. That's where we get God only or God alone. No matter what is going on, God only is an example. So you can see this expression. And if you don't, uh, John, if you don't mind putting up our little outline, you can see this expression come up in the structure of this song. The first couple of verses is God alone. It's waiting in silence. The next verse is man alone. So there's kind of this going back. This, it's called a, a chiastic uh, structure. So it's kind of going back from opposite. For, so God alone to man alone. To God alone, trusting in community. To man alone, seeking glory apart from God. Back to God alone, allowing power to be his. So I'm just going to walk through that. It, sh- it shouldn't take very long, but I'm just going to walk through that idea. And really, verse 1 is uh, the key to a lot of the psalm. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. And that wait in silence is what I feel like. I'm I'm just going to hone in on that. And that word shows, or that phrase really talks about being still, which is pretty obvious. But also it can be astounded. And then uh, it can mean resigned. And... (laughs) And it even showed this, this phrase shows up as meaning to stupefy, to grow dumb. Sign me up for that. The idea here is to embrace that I am not my own God. It is really to embrace this idea that there is a greater presence, a greater person that, that as he, as I see him, He powers up in my life and I power down. I let my my sophistications fall away. Waiting in silence truly is letting letting the voices of self-sufficiency be quiet. And with that, there being 
an, an astoundment, a, a, a glory in seeing God. Now, I struggle with it. I mean, I think you can look at the struggles that we have and say, well, how am I being like God in this area? How am I trying to be great in this area? Man, that's such a struggle. And I don't know if it's true, but I heard this story that, that really grabbed my attention. Uh, Muhammad Ali, in his prime, uh, was, was on a flight, and he was sitting in first class. And he just, for whatever reason, refused to put on his seatbelt. So the flight attendant came up to him and said, uh, Sir, you need to put your seatbelt on. We're about to take off. And he said, Man, I don't have to put my seatbelt on because I am the greatest. And they came back, and I think with great wisdom and encouragement, by saying, Sir, if you were the greatest, you wouldn't need a plane. Isn't that interesting? Because I think, I think there is, like when we take one step of trying to be great, we're going to have to look, hey, how great truly are we? The way of thinking breaks down when you seek to be the greatest. We cannot save ourselves. We have to wait on someone greater. Verse 2, he alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. And what this is saying, what I hear this is saying, especially when it uses words like rock and fortress, I hear uh, heavy words. I hear heavy, and, and I don't mean heavy like in a burden, like, like there's a, the, the word glory actually means heavy or weighty. And what I think he's saying is that underneath all of our lives, we have, we share this, this rock of God. We, are, we share his glory. And so when you hear me say weight, we, have, we are people of weight. What I mean is not physical weight, obviously, but a spiritual weight. We are significant and loved. That's what I mean, and I'm going to mention that a few other times. So just to compare what I'm talking about here, when it is God alone, we are people of weight, and the life we live is ironically lighter. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. It just means we approach them with a greater lightness because of what we've established in God being a rock. But when we live in man alone, there is kind of a weightlessness. There's sort of this, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about being a phantom in the, in the great divorce, how phantoms just, there's no feet on the ground. And he contrasts that with being a person of glory that has feet on the ground, that is not blown by the winds of the world, that is solid. So that person is weightless, and, and so there's not rest for the soul, and life is all of a sudden really, really heavy, really burdensome. Something that you have to prove. So look at verse 3 as we continue on this theme that is connected in. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. And you see what he's doing. It's so, it's so interesting. It's there. These weightless people are saying, oh, look at that tottering fence. Look at the vulnerability. I'm going to go and push it over and prove myself. I mean, it's like a schoolyard bully. What are they doing? They have to put everyone else down. Why? So that they can be just a little bit higher. To bless with their mouths, but inwardly curse. It's the idea of just clever manipulation. 
working a room over and over again. The thing about this section that kind of bothers me, if I'm really honest, is it talks about attack and struggle and assailment. And the thing about that is difficulty is part of this song. Difficulty is part of this song. I don't want to sing about that. I don't even want to hum. Maybe I'll go do a solo somewhere else. I do not want to sing about that. Yet the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 did a beautiful cover of this. He talks about there's this thing that's bothering me. It's just not going away. There's this thorn. It's just I can't get rid of it. I don't want to sing that song. But it's actually part of the whole journey, according to Paul. That he discovers that through this weakness is the key to experiencing God's power. So notice the Selah. I like to circle the Selahs after verse 4, which means pause, wait, breathe. Let what we sung fall deep into our hearts. Verse 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Again, that was verse 1 repeated. But what David is saying, he's kind of shifting. He's, he went from telling his story to saying, hey, community people. He's exclaiming it now here in verse 5. In God alone, your soul finds rest. In him alone. Verse 6 and 7. For he only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. Oh, on God rests my salvation and my glory. My rock, my refuge is God. I heard it said this other way, this, this other way. He says, everything you lean on beside God will shift. Everything you lean on beside God will shift. So the invitation is there, is move towards the God of glory who offers you weight. So from verse 7 to verse 8, there's a shift that begins to happen. David talks about my salvation he, in verses 1, 2, 6, and 7, the word my comes up. But then in verse 8, it becomes our. Me turned into we. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. You see, life with God alone, please don't hear me wrong. Life with God alone doesn't mean that you live in isolation and it's just me and God. This verse signals truth to us that we are a part of a community. We are a people of weight. This glory magnifies as we relate. And so as a people of weight and glory, we can move towards a tumultuous world. We can move like a, like a ship moving straight through a storm. Together we can do that. And we can pour out our hearts to him in the process. And I think about the prayer ministry at Hope, just the things I'm picking up and what's developing in there is just a people coming together to unburden themselves in the presence of God, but also to move into what God is doing. I like the phrase, put yourself in the path of God. He is moving and working. Now let's just Just join in to where he is going. And then there's Selah, pause, wait together. Listen to these words. 
So the fourth part there starts with verse 9. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. So it's the, the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs is there using that balance. Whether you're highborn or lowborn, both of them, the scales go up. There's a lightness for people that try to live without God. Please don't misunderstand me. As God's creations, we are all valuable. We hold a kind of common glory. All humans do. We value that. But if we are seeking to live life apart from God, we are going to miss out on something. We are going to miss out on the rest he provides for our soul. That's one thing. So we have to ask ourselves this big question. How am I missing this? Because it is already in Christ, we already have the weight of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 10, put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. That, that idea of increase means basically mounting up, raising up. I've got to elevate myself through money. I've got to accumulate to get power. I've got to prove myself in some ways. But verse 11 has a different take on it. Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this. That power belongs to God and that you, O Lord, belong steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work. Twice I've heard this. That is, that's really challenged me. Because sometimes I'll read a scripture, I'll like open up the Bible in the morning, I'll read it, and I'll just like read it and then go. And it's almost like uh, David is saying, hey, take this in, experience this. And throughout the Bible, the word knowledge isn't just, oh, I know this now. Oh, you told me that? Oh, I know it. Throughout the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament, knowledge is, is experiential. It's not something that's like, oh, boom, I got it. Knowledge is actually, the word yada in the Old Testament is actually, I want to experience this in every area of my life. So how do we put this God alone life into practice? I just want to wrap things up with a couple of ideas of that. And there's this one particular story, one thing that happened to me recently that I just, I thought I would share, and that's, that will kind of frame how we wrap up with some practices or some practical ways. Um, I uh, recently uh, officiated a wedding and had a, a, a rehearsal. And this is, this, is not, this is not a very climactic story. It doesn't matter. But I, I uh, went into um, uh, the room of the house where the wedding was going to be in the backyard. And, and it, was, it was a place uh, that, you know, it was struggle. And there are people that are nervous and everything. But I just recall going into that room and I was all, I just felt like I was powering up. So as I walked into there, I just, I felt like I was, I was gripping my notebook. I was, my belt was maybe too tight. You know, I was just felt like I was gearing up and it was fine. And we went through the ceremony and everything, but something interesting happened in light of, of Psalm 62. As I walked out, all dressed up and everything and people, bye everybody, you know. As I walked out, I tripped on the threshold. And and as I tripped, I didn't like fall down, but as I tripped, I just kind of like, and and that looks different when you're dressed up. You know what I mean? 
it, I mean, it felt different, like my shirt came out untucked, and, you know, and I'm grabbing furniture. But I just, just reflecting on that, I just thought, you know, as I do that, the next time that that happens, what if I entered into the room like that? <laughs> or maybe take this mindset of what if I just lowered, if I, if I powered down and, and maybe just waited on God and entered the room in that way. And, and I think that can be true for all the rooms that we walk into. I mean, I think the students that are going to be walking into new classrooms and, and, you know, we walk into doctor's office, we walk into bedrooms, we walk into these rooms. And what if we kind of imagine uh, Jedithan and his son, sons in those rooms? What if we just kind of carried these truths into every room that we went into? So one part of that, just to wrap up here, is to be silent and wait on God prior to, to our rooms. Now, we all don't have the time to do that. I get that. But waiting has a bad rap in our culture, even in our Christian culture. Waiting has a bad rap. I mean, think about it. We wait on a car part. We wait on a table at a restaurant. We wait on a delayed flight, a doctor appointment, clothes to dry, a tow truck. Waiting has a bad rap. But I think what Psalm 62 has for us is, hey, this is part of life with God alone. Because when we get in a hurry, we pick up our keys and our wallet and we just get really sophisticated. And the default is we end up trusting ourselves. In quietness and trust is your strength. We must figure out a way to learn how to wait. Very practical thing for me. And I'll be wrapping up here. Is what do you see people doing when they have to wait? It's obvious. We're looking at our phone. We're just scrolling. And one simple practice that has helped me is when I have five minutes here, five minutes there, I put my phone somewhere that I can't reach it. Sometimes I'll put a timer on it and I'll replace that with, and what I have is just a wooden cross. And I'll just take hold of this. And it's almost like I'm scrolling on my wooden cross. You know, it doesn't work that way. But I think that's, you know, pay attention to when you are waiting and when you just have like five minutes or you're waiting just pay attention to what you do. It goes straight to the phone. I do it all the time. But to pick up this idea of, of just being with God, our rock, in the everyday has been very, very helpful to me. The other thing is, and I mentioned this, when you sit down to read the scriptures, take your time. Repeat some of these words. This psalm is, it repeats uh, verses 1 and 5 are repeated. At the very end, uh, David talks about uh, hearing, to, hearing something twice. So as you read, just take some, you know, take some time and, and repeat some of the verses and let them grab hold of you at every doorway that you walk into. Take them with you into the rooms. And as you go into the rooms of life, uh, because you already have in Christ the glory of God with you, we can walk into the rooms and we can just set our ego at the door. We can just release life at the threshold. And we used to do that. Youth ministry is kind of a fun little thing. We would put an old bucket by the door in youth ministry. And we would just tell students, hey, as you come in here, just leave your ego in that bucket. Just put it right there. We did that in every room. And then, we, then it, there's a shift in that God is with us when we release. We take hold. It's like death and life. 
It's like breathing out, breathing in. So we can let go because we already are a people of significance and security. So David, Jonathan, and his sons would be with us, celebrating with us, singing praise with us. Wait in silence on God. Repeat the words as you go into the rooms and let go of life at the threshold of every room you go into. I would like to say a prayer and then we'll stand for the reading of Psalm 62. Lord, as we come kind of to the end of this, uh, this Psalm 62, I'm just grabbed by this idea of power belonging to you, of love being extended to us so that we may serve and work. Lord, teach us how to wait in silence for you. Even now, Lord, would you show us what we might need to be setting at the door of every room we may walk into this week? Show us that, Lord, we pray. Thank you for this sweet time. In Christ's name, amen. If you'll please stand for the reading of Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock, my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, tottering fence. They only plan to trust him down in this right position. They bless this falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my soul wait in silence. For my people, he only is my rock, my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation, my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. No vain hopes of robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken... Twice I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that you, Lord, belong steadfast love. For you will render to man according to his work.